Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the China Startup Pulse. I'm Ryan Chicken, your host, and here we talk about everything a startup needs to grow, build, and be successful in China. From the perspective of the entrepreneur and from the investor, from people who've done it before and been there. Today we have Grace Eng, who is one of the co-founders of the Lean Startup Machine. Yeah, we had Trevor on the show before, but now we have the co-founder Grace, and she's incredible. She's the person who invented the javelin board, the validation board. If you've ever gone to a startup event, or you've been in an accelerator or an office like that, you've seen these boards around. You've seen this process. She's a designer. She's focused on design for startups for success. She was a major in econ and design. Uh, she has had her own app. She's built her own company with a lean startup machine, joining TechStars, doing her own process to do it. She's got a lot of really interesting ideas about optimization and the design needs for questions. I mean, design needs to answer questions the users have. It, it can't answer your own. It can't just be a function there. She talks about how what she built, the Javelin Board, is this amazing visual framework to help people solve problems of the users, and how every single user in the world, all of these entrepreneurs, everywhere she goes and runs these programs, they all have the same problem, which is they approach the problem the same way. And then we get into some deep information about women in tech, about what she feels has been changing, and how the global scene is opening up even more than other places that are more established to women in tech. And we talk a lot about how your ego, again, either your design ego or your product ego, is not helping you. You need to get rid of that. But she has some really good ideas about how building your startup and integrating design into what you do, design for success, talking to your team, building a plan for success, designing it, and making it happen. This is a, this is an incredible episode for all design needs, all design focused ideas, and learning more about how you can validate your own ideas and build it better and build it right. So, without any more further ado, let's get into it. Hey, everyone! We are here with Grace Eng, and uh, I'm going to give a, a little uh, short intro about how she got here and what she did before that to, to kind of speed things up, so we can get to uh, the meat of everything. So, Grace is the co-founder of the Lean Startup Machine, and we had Trevor Owens on the show previously, and now we have Grace Eng, which is Totally exciting because the other factor in this amazing company that's coming and right now in China that's doing great stuff. Grace uh, actually went to uh, school in New York at Binghamton University and worked in design and econ. And then after that, she just got into advertising. But right away, she realized she wanted to do her first startup, which uh, was a, a mobile app called Peekit, all about visual OCR, helping uh, the community. Very techie stuff. Had a falling out, restarted up again, and realized that she was making a lot of these mistakes that could be fixed with a lean startup method. Actually, took that, met up with Trevor Owens, and co-founded the Lean Startup Machine in about 2012. Went full time with that. She's the creator of the validation board, which everybody basically has in their their room, their office, or you're doing anything. She's also the creator and designer of the Javelin Board, which is second edition of that. So if you've ever been to any of these events and you've like Googled how to start up a startup, you found resources designed by Grace. She was part of TechStars in New York,、uh, where、uh, Lean Startup Machine raised 1.5 million. She had a、uh, big jump into software and design, trying to get that all、uh, Lean Startup system in there, and then transitioning into China. Bringing now the ideas to help teams and entrepreneurs in China, and also doing a lot of design and artwork in the augmented virtual reality space 
using brain activity and future art. I mean, this is like, you're, you're totally incredible. So thanks so much for being on the show. I'm really excited. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Yeah. So you have been working and, and trying to do design-related things for startups for an incredibly long amount of time. Yes. What were some of the first moments when you were building, let's say, your first app or your first startup or even thinking about it, that uh, you were driven by the design aspect to get to fix a solution or to, or to get to solve a problem? Yeah, so uh, I got started in um, startups pretty early on uh, where, when there wasn't much information about um, you know design's role in a startup. And coming from, uh, I had a background user experience um, from large ad agencies where it's all about you know meeting clients' needs and just um, wireframing a bunch of deliverables. So at that point, a lot of designers and you know even engineers and other um, you know talented people are just all about optimization. So mm-hmm. I came from this background of like optimizing and creating these deliverables. But in a startup, design has a very different role. Uh, so you know, in a design um, in a startup. Your your problem is still unknown. You still have to validate it, so you can't just jump right into um, you know optimizing the user experience. I was kind of driven by creating experiences that people really resonate with, so that's kind of like the driving factor that I, I bring to my work. But in a mm-hmm. startup, when you're focusing on design, the biggest design challenge is to validate the customer and the problem first, and so that's uh, you know user research. That's really understanding the needs of the users, and so that's where design comes in. It's not uh, a visual design standpoint. It's not really a mm-hmm. anything tangible at this point. It's more about understanding the needs, and that's the, uh, design's role in an early stage startup. Mm-hmm. But it also depends on what kind of startup stage they're, uh, what kind of startup it is, what stage they're in, because if it's a, a startup that's just uh, optimizing something that's already out there in the marketplace where they mm-hmm. already have, uh, where there are a lot of competitors, then then that's a design challenge. Then that's, you know, the de- designer's role there would be to optimize for user experience and conversions. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that maybe there's not a lot of competitors out there, maybe it's still an improved market, then the designer's role is about finding the need and really bridging the yeah, gap and between that, businesses. That's like finding the need. I like how you say that because finding the need is one of the things where designers typically, not to point fingers, but don't do so well at. Mm-hmm. They can make something beautiful. Mm-hmm. But one of my uh, strategies, because I'm, I'm terrible design. I, I, I'm a self-proclaimed like, you know, fifth grade hand painter. I just can't do it. But I can kind of look at something and I can tell when something's not right. And one of my strategies is I look at a, a website or a project or an idea and I blur my eyes and I see what the first thing I see is. Like, where does my attention go? What are you trying to get me? Because design has a need and, and trying to, to, to build for that is one of the most important things. And Lean Startup Machine, what you guys teach, how you guys take people through the process of validation is incredibly important to that process. So let's say solutions for these problems or trying to find it. When did you feel like you had hit on something that was really useful for, uh, for building and helping startups? Like how did you go about initially even thinking about mm-hmm. designing a process yeah. to, to solve startups' right, problems? Right. Well, I think this is where um, designers um, can be more aware of uh, user needs. I think traditionally a lot of designers, again, are visual designers. They like to um, you know make things pretty without really addressing what the core problem is. Mm-hmm. And so as a designer, 
and especially with, you know, the lean startup process, what you can do is you can be very sensitive and in tune to what people need in the marketplace and also what the opportunities are. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, designers can really bring to the table. I think the um, user empathy as well as um, keeping your ear close to the ground. Uh, part of user research is really just like going to the forefront where the customers are and really trying to understand what the user journey is and how the p- potential users go about their day-to-day lives by, you know, just being in tune with potential customers. And once you notice that they're doing something inefficiently or they're, if they're doing something inefficiently, then there's an opportunity for you to solve for that. And so what we noticed was that at, the, at that time when we created the, um, the validation board, people, and even, you know, with Lean Start Machine, at the time, there was not much education around how do you apply Lean Startup uh, to running a business. Mm-hmm. And there are so many nuances that people just need a structured framework to do it uh, more, uh, to do it quickly. So what we did was we came up with these frameworks so that people, uh, so that entrepreneurs can reduce the time it takes to run their first experiment. Mm-hmm. And that was our measure of success. Because the first workshop took a few hours uh, to you know get out of the building, talk to customers, come back with data. And then we reduced that so that now it takes like five minutes to design your experiment and get out of the building. Yeah, and, and that was that was all design optimization, right? And and thinking that, about how people approach a problem, right? That was identifying a need and then bridging that gap. So you identify the opportunity and you create a solution for that. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I've seen over and over again is how effective this framework works in international teams. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I would want to ask you about like how what what do you what do you think are some of the aspects of why this works so well with people from all over the world in different backgrounds? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a very visual framework. So uh, I think two things. The, the first thing is it's a very visual framework and and it's time boxed. And the second thing is that because it's uh, slimmed down to such actionable steps that teams are able to just follow the process uh, very rigorously, especially in the early stages of the company, as well as like going through, um, you know, building the startup. They can, des- uh, you know, identify who their customer is, identify the problem, what the solution is, quickly just go through the rounds, and each of the boxes is one experiment, so they mm-hmm. can just quickly iterate through that. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of puts limits and. I think it's like, what, what do you think about this idea that um, putting constraints on creativity is a, a good thing, is, is beneficial towards it, or is it restrictive? Because I feel like the Lean Startup process kind of does that. You know, you got five minutes to come up with this idea. Uh, the Lean Startup machine's like, you got two minutes to, to do this. You got like, you know, until 5 p.m. to validate. Mm-hmm. So those are all constraints. Yeah, well, I think uh, constraints are good. I think, uh, and this is, you know, kind of, um, I've, I've been in heated debates with this with uh, other designers where they think really? that, um, you know, Lean Startup limits creativity. Lean mm-hmm. Startup kind of limits the designer's ability to do their job. Mm-hmm. But in, you know, if you're designing for a customer, you're designing for a user, then it's very important to, you know, keep them in mind and iterate with along with them as you're working. And that's the measure of success if your design actually solves their problem. And so that's something that we kept in mind as we uh, created the validation board. Um, the, the benefit of you know creating the validation board is that we also have the workshop so that it was a user research lab for us. So when I um, had the framework, we would give it to the teams, watch them use it, see how they uh, use it, see where they trip up on, see mm-hmm. how they can how we can improve it so that they can operate faster. And that's how we um, that's the data that we used for creating the Javelin board. Yeah, I mean it's it's a 
Right now, it's one of the best, if not the absolute best framework to push teams forward. It's something that we use here at uh, our accelerators. Um, I mean, I, I basically, I can't go into an accelerator globally and not see the board. I mean, that must feel pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I think, you know, again, like you were saying that uh, the board is a very visual framework. So I think it just transcends all kinds of like language barriers because mm -hmm. teams see the boxes. They see that they have to make the progress from left to right. And, uh, you know, I've, I've created tutorial videos on this and I'm, I'm so glad that teams are picking up everywhere. Yeah, yeah. it's it, the framework is fantastic. And I think I, I want to talk a little bit about how in China specifically, do you see a difference between the teams internationally or uh, some kind of uh, difference in how uh, a Chinese team of uh, entrepreneurs might approach this? I don't know if I can pinpoint it uh, specifically to Chinese entre entrepreneurs. I, mm -hmm. I've heard that, you know, Chinese entrepreneurs or, you know, Chinese, um, the culture in general is, is very, um, you know, revenue and business oriented. So I think that's, you know, great for using this process. Yeah. But I think around the world, what I've noticed is um, just the the level of problems that they they solve for. I think, well, what's great is that they you know put their ideas down and they can just rapidly test and go through it and understand um, when it's not solving for a problem and then change from there. I think across the world, I've seen um, people kind of solving the same problems uh, yeah. around the world. So that's quite of uh, that's kind of amusing. Where everyone's <laughs> like. Every entrepreneur around the world, their biggest problem is finding a restaurant to eat at or finding like a <laughs> travel recommendation. So, so yeah. that's something I would like to encourage entrepreneurs to kind of like explore um, beyond that. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, we can explore a way to encourage entrepreneurs to think beyond um, a lot of these like first world problems and mm -hmm. a lot of these problems that have already been solved for. The process is about uh, getting you to a better version of your own idea, right? Right. And a better version that's more geared towards the user. Because at the very end of the day, the market is the person who's going to give you money to stay alive. Mm -hmm. and if you're not designing for the market, you're designing for yourself. And unless you can pay yourself, I mean, you're not really in the game at all, right? Right. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about what it's been like building this company. And uh, there, there are not a lot of women in startups right now. And it's an industry that has for, I guess, from the Silicon Valley days and that whole idea of Silicon Valley and what it is and the old guys club. I mean, internationally, it's a totally different scene. I mean, how, what's your perspective on that? Like, how, how is that changing in your eyes? Mm -hmm. Well, it's changed so much since uh, when I first started out. Uh, again, you know, back when I started, I didn't really know many other female entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, I really didn't have any kind of like community um, to work with or, you know, I was pretty much like solo tech entrepreneur, like just <laughs> female kind of like playing in like a, you know, the, the boys club. I, it's changed a lot so much. I, I've seen this kind of like feminism movement um, go across the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for example, accelerators around the world, I've seen them have a requirement where they're saying, OK, we will only take your startup if you have like one female co-founder on, really? on board. I think Startup Chile did that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's nice. That's kind of cool to, you know, kind of just have that raise that awareness um, yeah. because it was definitely something that people were not aware of before. You know, um, you know, traditionally, I guess, like uh, men weren't. They, it just, it's just like not something that people are cognizant of until someone brings it up. And so mm -hmm. now I think um, the whole world has, um, it's 
um, there's a lot of awareness around it. And so people are taking steps to incorporate that. And I think what's been very inspiring to see is, uh, so I visited entrepreneurs in India and I've, I, you know, I had this like kind of notion where, you know, entrepreneurs are, women in kind of developing countries would not have as much access or opportunities yeah. as like women in, you know, let's say the States. But, you know, I, I met with entrepreneurs in, in India and there are also female entrepreneurs in India where they were, um, you know, also like building their businesses and uh, something really uh, amazing as well is um, Baran, uh, Baran, is Baran, 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 yeah, yeah. Baran and, uh, I think it was Iraq. Um, uh-huh. There are female entrepreneurs in Iraq who mm. um, we worked. So we did a lean start machine in Iraq. And then, yeah, they just came out in full force and they That's were like awesome. launching their businesses. And this is a place where traditionally I would think that, you know, they actually still had their shawls on. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they actually like, you know, put like, uh, you know, lean in on their lean shawls. Lean in on their shawls. That's cause awesome. Because we, we had, uh, we, we were a lean startup machine uh-huh. um, and they, they thought they just like combined it. So it's Combining good. Had like our colors, like black and yellow, and then said lean in. And <laughs> yeah, there's like launching businesses, and it was really amazing. I mean, there's just a lot of entrepreneurs, regardless of race, gender, whatever. It's just people trying to do startups. People trying to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the benefit of uh, Lean Start Machine is that it's, you know, there's no technical boundary, uh, technical barriers mm-hmm. for um, anyone who wants to start a business. Anyone, even if they don't know how to program or code, they can start a business just by, you know, talking to customers and running experiments. Very lo-fi. Yeah. I mean, that that's one of the, uh, I just want to get back into the design of the Lean Startup and the Javelin because it's so great. But that's one of the things. It's very low initial tech to verify your idea and know it's a good idea. Know that people are going to come and, and, be, and basically purchase your product before you even build it. And asking those kind of questions are questions that make so much sense when we, I mean, the questions like, would you buy this? Would you pay for money for this? Would you have this need if it existed? If you could build it, what would you build? Mm-hmm. All those kinds of things, they are, they make total sense when you do it. But before that point, we all have this kind of idea that, no, I'm just going to build something and do something and, and I'm right. Mm-hmm. And this thing is right. And you get driven by your own assumptions and you become your own kind of worst enemy. Right, right. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. I mean, what's really important about being an entrepreneur is to just abandon your ego. And, um, you know, you might think that you're right. You might think that you have like the best idea, but there's so many assumptions that you're overlooking. So mm-hmm. it's really important to just, you know, drop the ego and just listen to your customers. Yeah. And it's one of the, I mean, especially in for people going across border into a new market, mm-hmm. your ego is always one of the things holding you back. And in all of our programs is that when we bring people from all over the world, the, you know, day one orientation is, you know, drop your ego at the door. That's fantastic. One thing that everybody does need to understand uh, is the design aspect of their user journey. Your function of your app is not your user, your, your ideal user journey. Uh, so how do you help teams that maybe are overlooking that step. They're they're just putting function but not design into their technology. And how would you advise people to, I guess, refocus their vision on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something um, I always encourage uh, people to look out for is existing behavior and really understanding what your users, target users, are doing on a day to day basis. And that can be you can find out that 
information by doing um, contextual inquiry, you, you know, just like sit with them. Um, you can either have them walk you through what their day was and what they did um, kind of around that task, or you can just like observe them and see how they go about their day to day. And the more information you know about that, the better informed you are when you're creating your user journey. So it's really about what is the existing behavior and what is the friction um, that you're asking that you're, you, you require of them to use your product? Because mm -hmm. if their existing behavior is one way and there's a lot of friction to use your product and the payoff isn't as rewarding as that friction uh, requires, then you're just going to have a hard time getting uh, user adoption. Mm -hmm. And that's all user drop off at mm -hmm. one point or another, right? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, initial acquisition. And that's, um, that goes into all parts of the, the process. You know, you can, you can um, get them at marketing, but then once they, uh, once you onboard them and it's still not in line with their existing behavior, it's still um, too much friction. There's just going to be drop off at like, you know, the, the sign up page or the, um, you know, even using the whole product, you you need to map it out to the user journey. Mm -hmm. And the and the ideal user journey, right? Is the the ideal user journey is the one that pays you money in the end, or does the key action that you really care about, right? Right. You want to find um, a medium, uh, a happy medium between the business goal and the user goal. Mm. So a user journey that comes in between. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean. I could just keep on going, but I, I do have, because I know we're getting to the end of the podcast and I want to just get one more thing out there because I know we talked about this a little bit before the show started. Um, we kind of kick around this idea of a secret co-founder and a secret co-founder, to refresh everyone, is somebody in your life that is either your, your family or a significant other or the person or somebody who you care about, who, who helps you when the bad days come. Uh, what do you feel about that kind of idea or the importance yeah, well, I think it's uh, very important to um, have that in your arsenal, I guess, as you're going through your startup journey. Um, I think, you know, between my, my co-founder Trevor and I, um, we've been each other's um, biggest supporters. And uh, when you're going through, um, you know, difficult times, mm -hmm. it's just that's the most important thing to just, you know, be there for each other, you know, give feedback to each other and just like be each other's eyes. I mean, are we going to be seeing something like, an extended javelin board into deeper concepts of what it is to be a startup, maybe even to like so your co-founder level or all the things that you need, like a personal one or, or where, where are you thinking next for at least your own development and, and the javelin and how far you can go into designing a process to help startups and entrepreneurs globally? Uh, again, I'm still using a very rapid experimentation process, uh, even as I develop my art, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, I don't think is uh, really common um, for for like the art industry. Um, but again, it goes back down to, you know, really understanding what the, the market needs and being in tune to that. And even even if these are futuristic concepts, you know, I think a, a big um um, you know, some big feedback mm -hmm. that I've gotten from people who are kind of opposed to lean startup is just like, oh, well, you know, if I were to follow the lean startup process, then I can't be like a visionary like Steve Jobs, or I can't yeah. like, you know, if I were to always ask yeah, yeah. my customers what they wanted, I can't do this. And um, that's not true because I've, I've still been applying the same experimentation process for development with like virtual reality and like kind of this, these like very futuristic art projects. Mm -hmm. so, so what's next? I mean, uh, you have this this uh, already amazing track record. I mean, what, what do you think is next for at least uh, you in the next few years in terms of uh, pushing this forward? You're in China. You're developing uh, lean startup uh, machine methodology in China for all these startups. It's working great. But like, 
Like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen next? You think you don't have to give away all your secrets. Uh, but just like lightning round question yeah. before we go. Well, I think it's a very exciting time to be in China. I see uh, there's so much opportunity with regards to just um, the entrepreneurial ecosystem here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot being done uh, by the government, by like the community to to get more businesses started. And we offer entrepreneurship education. And there's just more of a need than ever. Mm. Uh, you know, with regards to just like the future of work, I think everyone's just going to be a lot of people are going to be working remotely over the computers, and every, it's just like more accessible for anyone with an idea to start their own businesses and that's where we come in. So uh, what's really exciting is to be tailoring Lean Start Machine and the Javelin software for the Chinese market um, and you know bring that to uh, Chinese entrepreneurs here. That's awesome. Thank you so much for uh, being on the cast. Uh, real quick, this is your opportunity to plug yourself and the Lean Startup Machine. How do people find you? How do people figure out more information about the Lean Startup Machine? You know, how do they uh, check out all the cool stuff you do? Go ahead, yeah. plug. So you can follow me on WeChat at uh, GraceAng1215. Uh, and you can visit our website, leanstartmachine.com. You can also check out our software, javelin.com. That's spelled J-A-V-E-L-I-N.com. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really, really loved it. Thank you. This thanks awesome. for having me, Ryan. Well, thanks so much for uh, being here. Thank you to Vivian, who's our producer out there uh, making sure we sound good. Thanks to David, our sound guy. And most of all, thanks to you guys, our listeners. Until next time. See you guys. Hey, everyone. I just want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, China Accelerator. They are a accelerator based in Shanghai, bringing international ideas into China and Chinese ideas international. They're number one in what they do. They're a three-month program, and they help build your idea and make it amazingly successful. You can find out more at www.chinaaccelerator.com. People Squared is the original co-working space in China. It's your home for startups, no matter what you're working on. Small team or large, it has all the resources, the environment, the culture, everything that you need to take your idea and make it successful. Founded by Bob Jung, an entrepreneur himself who really understands what startups need, it's a great place to bring your team and find success. You can find out more at people-squared.com. Our syndication partner is techno.cn, the number one resource for information about startups and the investment environment in China. They focus on getting the word globally about what's happening and growing in China in terms of trends and startup revolutions. You can find out more at technode.cn.